Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is award-winning journalist Dave Carger and TCM host, and uh, this is our annual Oscar show, and I'm so excited to have you back on the show, Dave. Thanks so much, Jan. Nice to hear you. You too. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, hanging in, all things considered. Good, 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 good. Well, um, let's jump right into it, because this year's Oscar race is really um, interesting this year, obviously, because of the pandemic. Uh, most of the movies were released on uh, video on demand, and uh, more people got to see the movies um, than perhaps they might have if they had gone to the movie theaters. Um, what? Yeah, let's be, let's, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, um, what are your thoughts about some like now that uh, I believe it's uh, HBO Max is going to be releasing their films the same day in theaters as they are on video on demand. What are your thoughts about that? You know, it really surprised a lot of people when Warner Brothers did make that announcement that it was going to take effect for the entire calendar year of 2021, that all of their movies would be released in theaters and on HBO Max the same day. Uh, But I also think that they just knew that that was the state of the world. And even though movie theaters are opening and will continue to open as the spring and summer continue, I think a lot of people, myself included, I have to say, won't really feel comfortable going back to the movie theaters yet until more people are vaccinated. So I really do feel like it, they just saw the writing on the wall and they could have made that announcement season by season. But I just think that they were realizing that this was this, the state of the world right now. And they just did what they knew they had to do. Yeah, I, I, I personally like it. Uh, for now. I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to continuing this after we get past this pandemic and people become more comfortable with going to the movie theater. Um, but I think, you know, it was an interesting decision and I think a wise one for what's going on in the world right now. So, um, but I am looking forward to going back to the movie theaters. I really am. Um, ours are. Me too. Yeah. We're, I guess, I think we're getting close to being open here, the movie theaters here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. I will go back definitely. I, 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 cause I say this all the time that movies need to be experienced in the movie theaters and, um, even though I've seen some great films this year, I go, oh, this would have been great on a big screen. Although I did go out and buy a big screen <laughs> during the pandemic, just so I can enjoy the movies more, too. Well, let's jump okay. right into it. Let's Because I, 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 I always like to get your thoughts on these things. Uh, should we just start? Let's just start with um, best actor in a leading role. Who do you think it will be this year? Well, we'll remind people that the nominees are Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, Chadwick Boseman for My Rainey's Black Bottom, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, and Steven Yun for Minari. Um, I think Chadwick Boseman is going to win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, even though he's the only nominee who is not from a Best Picture-nominated film. All those other four films were nominated for Best Picture. Ma Rainey was not. But I think that Chadwick Boseman's performance is so electric. Um, and of course, it's bittersweet because he did pass away last year. So I think if he does win, it'll be a posthumous win along the lines of Peter Finch for Network. But I don't think it's because he is gone. I think it's because he truly deserves it. Having said that, I am also so impressed with 
the Anthony Hopkins performance in The Father. That's a movie that a lot of people have not seen yet because it has not been made available on demand just yet. Very soon it will be. Um, and that's just a beautiful, beautiful film. And then Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, that's actually my favorite movie of last year. And what he does in that role is just magical. And I encourage everybody to watch that film on Amazon. It's interesting. I just watched it the other night in preparation for our interview. And um, it's not a movie that I would have gravitated towards to watch, to be honest with you. And I was so glad um, that I did. Because I agree with you, um, Riz Ahmed is 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 outstanding in this, and it was just a really I, I just I did I, I thought it was a wonderful film and and very difficult kind of difficult film to make. So um, I thought it was really really good too. But I agree with you; it's going to be Chad Bick Bozeman, and I agree with you also. It's not because he passed away at such a tragically young age, and he had so much more to give us. But um, his performance truly is amazing and uh, brilliant, and 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 also in the uh, the Five Bloods, which um, it was also excellent. And he's, he's always been good in everything he's done. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, let's move on to Best Actress, and why don't you go ahead and tell uh, the audience who's been nominated and who you think it might. Well, it's Francis McDormand for Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan for Promise Young Woman, Viola Davis, who is Chadwick Boseman's co-star in My Rainey's Black Bottom. Vanessa Kirby, fabulous British actress for Pieces of a Woman, and Andrew Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday. These were the five women who were nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama. And this one's kind of up for grabs. Andrew Day surprised a lot of people by winning the Golden Globe. Frances McDormand is in the film that is the presumed Best Picture winner. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Carrie Mulligan win. Uh, for Promising Young Woman, a film that has kind of come on strong later in the season, a movie that was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. And Carey Mulligan, uh, unlike Frances McDormand and Viola Davis, has never won an Oscar, although she's been nominated before. So I think in a tight race, I give the slight edge to Carrie Mulligan, which would just be such a lovely moment to see her win. Well, I I agree. She gave. I loved Promising Young Woman. I thought I just I just loved it, um, and I thought she's brilliant and everything that she does. Also, but I'm going to disagree with you here, uh, and I'll tell you why because I have some other ideas about what the Oscars are going to be about this year too. I think it's going to be Viola Davis um, from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Could be uh, Andra Day, and um, you know I'm just I'm going back and forth between the two. And I'll tell you when we go through all of our categories why I think that it may be either one of them. I mean, all of the performances were were wonderful. Um, every single one of them was excellent, as always. Yeah. Frances McDormand has won twice. I don't. I just don't see her winning this this year. Um, I don't. You know, I think it's. I think it's going to be some other people this year that some other actresses who are well deserving. And not that she's not well deserving. She always is. She's also. No, she is. Brilliant. And what's interesting is that. If and when Nomadland wins Best Picture, Frances McDormand will actually win her third Oscar because she is one of the credited producers of the film. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, yes. So she'll get it for, for that. How about Best Actress in a Supporting Role? This one is so up for grabs more yes. than any other race in any other year in the 25 or so years that I've been watching the Oscars very closely. This one is fascinating. Yes, I Olivia agree with Coleman, you. Oh, go ahead, Olivia go ahead. Coleman in The Father, Amanda Seyfried in Mank, Maria Bakalova in Borat, subsequent movie film, Yoo Jung Yoon 
in Minari and Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. Now, if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't think it was a, a fantastic field of, of supporting actress contenders overall this year. I think these are five fine performances, but uh, I, overall, I don't think there was much competition. There's not a lot that I look at that was egregiously overlooked um, this year in Best Supporting Actress. Any of these five women could win. I mean, if Glenn Close won for Hillbilly Elegy, a movie that was largely reviled, I think it would almost be a shame that this would be her Oscar win. Some people think that Yoo Jung Yoon, who plays the grandma in Minari, could win. I could see that maybe happening. I don't think Amanda Seyfried could really win. I'm not sure Maria Bakalova could win. I actually think Olivia Colman could win her second Oscar for The Father. I think it could be a surprise victory along the lines of someone like Jim Broadbent when he won for Iris, a film that got a lot of the talk for the lead performance of Judy Dench, but then he kind of slipped in with a supporting win. And I think a similar thing could happen where people love the father and love the interplay between Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. And I think that she could maybe sneak in, but I do not feel confident in that prediction. I, it's more of a process of elimination than anything else. Interesting. I, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, that's what my choice is. I think it's Olivia Coleman. I mean, she was uh, you know, two years ago, the surprise winner, I thought that was going to be that year was going to be Glenn Close's year. And uh, I was so shocked and surprised when Olivia Coleman won for Best Actress that year. But I think that, um, again, and I think so many people have watched The Crown and love The Crown and love her in that. And she's brilliant in, in The Crown. And she's, um, I have, I, I have not seen The Father, I'm sorry to say, but I just have a feeling um, that just seeing what I have seen of the film, uh, that she's, I think it's going to be her. But I agree with you. It could be. It's, it's uh, a toss-up this year. Yes. Let's move on to Best Supporting Actor. Well, this is the opposite. This one has a clear frontrunner. So the, the, the frontrunner here is Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. The other four nominees are his co-star, Lakeith Sanfield, who was something of a surprise nominee, along with Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, and my happiest surprise of the Oscar nominations morning, Paul Racy, the co-star of Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Just a wonderful performance that he gives and so moving. But Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton uh, of the Black Panthers, the Oscars love it when a terrific actor uh, is playing a real person in, in a very kind of showy, and I don't mean that in a bad way, um, fashion. But Daniel Kaluuya, it's a powerful performance. The movie did very well overall, including a Best Picture nomination. So I don't think there's going to be much vote splitting between him and Lakeith Stanfield. I think if people want to reward that movie, it's going to be with uh, voting for Daniel Kaluuya. He's already won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice. I think he's going to make it a three-peat, you if think? not a four-peat, if he wins the SAG Award. Okay. I, I, you know, it's again, that one is a toss-up for me because I, I thought Lakeith Stanfield was excellent in his role because... Uh, Again, that was a, a great performance of just, you know, how do you play that? How do you play that character? You know, when he knows what he's doing is, is wrong, and yet he continues to do it, and that struggle that he has going on inside. But I agree, uh, Daniel Kalua or uh, Lakefield, uh, or Lake Heath Stanfield, who I, uh, again, I really, both of these actors are um, just, I love watching both of them in whatever they're involved with. So uh, either one of those, I agree. All right, let's move on to Best Director. Well, 
earlier in the season, I would have thought that David Fincher, who did Mank, had a better shot. The other nominees are Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Emerald Fennell for Promising a Woman, and Thomas Vinterberg, something of a surprise nominee for a Danish film called Another Round, which is wonderful, by the way. I haven't seen um, it yet. I, I have but, to watch that one. Oh, it's great. Uh, and I think it's going to win the Oscar for International Feature. But I do think Chloe Zhao... Uh, who did such a beautiful job directing and writing and editing and co-producing Nomadland. Um, I think she'll be recognized as the second woman ever to win this uh, Academy Award after Catherine Bigelow, of course, for The Hurt Locker. Um, Earlier in the season, I thought Mank was going to be a little bit of a stronger contender as far as wins are concerned. And even though it did get far and away the most nominations this year with 10, I don't think it's going to win that many of them. Uh, a similar thing happened with The Irishman, where it got 10 nominations and ended up losing all of them. So uh, just because the movie got the most nominations, I don't think it's ne- necessarily a front runner in any of these major categories. I think it could win something like cinematography or production design or something along those lines but i think it's going to be chloe zhao uh, winning uh deservedly for nomadland i i agree i think it's also going to be her too uh i definitely do i i thought mank was beautiful though beautifully photographed and the whole you know i loved everything even the sound i mean the sound that he he did i thought fincher did a fabulous job with that film but i agree with you i think for some reason, No Man Land has um, captured um, people's imagination, and I want to talk a little bit about that because, um, yeah, again, I have a different opinion about it, but I do think she's going to get it for Best Director. So that moves us to Best Picture. Let's talk about that. Do you want to give um, tell our audience sure. who's nominated? So the eight nominees. So this is the last year we should tell people of this current Best Picture voting system, whereby there can be between five and ten nominees in a given year starting next year is automatically going to be 10 but this year it was still that kind of floating system uh whereby mathematically it usually comes out to eight or nine this year there were eight nomadland the trial of the chicago seven mank minari promising young woman judas and the black messiah and then my two favorite movies of the year sound of metal and the father so i was really happy that both of those got in there even though they don't have a chance to win um the trial of Chicago seven was doing extremely well earlier in the season. It was the only movie that was getting every big nomination. Nomadland, for instance, did not get a nomination for screen actors guild awards for best cast, which is their version of best picture. So when the trial of the Chicago seven was getting everything, I thought, Oh, this is the movie that could actually win and beat Nomadland. But when the Oscar nominations came out, Aaron Sorkin, the director of the Chicago 7, was only nominated for his screenplay and not for directing, so that put the movie down a peg or two. So I do think Nomadland is pretty much unchallenged at this point for the victory. It just won the Producers Guild Award, which is a very important precursor, uh, just very recently. So I think it's it, it doesn't seem beatable right now. And I think you're right. I think it is the kind of movie that fits with the times. You know, this is a, a a year where a lot of people readjusted priorities in in their lives and uh, maybe did away with some material things. And Nomadland is about many things, uh, one of which I would argue is that. And I think it's uh, the kind of movie that feels very current, but it's also gorgeous. And it has professional actors and non-professional actors. It was made with... Um, you know, almost like a guerrilla crew in a way. And they, they did it on, you know, with a smaller crew and very scrappy kind of filmmaking. It's very lyrical. It's beautiful. Not everybody likes it, 
but I, I do think people in the industry uh, truly admire what Chloe Zhao and Francis McDormand and the whole cast and crew were able to do with the film. Yeah, I'm I'm in the camp that um, I'm not. I, I don't get all of the buzz about the film and why everybody thinks it's such a great film. And you did a great job of just describing why. Um, and it is it is all of those things. And I knew when I was watching it that these were not professional actors. I felt they they were the actual people. And and then when you watch the credits, you realize they are. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, you know. A, all the things that you're saying, but I just didn't don't get why it's getting all the awards for Best Picture. So that's just me. Um, it, it, it wasn't one of those movies that knocked my socks off. Um, I'm I'm going to really go out on a limb here, and I'm going to pick Judas and the Black Messiah, which has gotten nothing. <laughs> right? I mean, it really hasn't won any awards anywhere, has it yet? It has not won, but it's it's been included on the Producers Guild Top Ten and the American Film Institute Top Ten, which are very important. It got six nominations, which is the second most of any movie this year, uh, along with Nomadland. So it it is, you know, you could make the argument that the field is level, like you're arguing. Um, I don't see that happening, but I Stranger Things could happen i i mean i i think if if there's a movie that could win over nomadland i would say maybe it's minari or maybe judas and the black messiah um you know and also let's remember there was a bit of an outcry rightly so i would say that movies like ma rainey's black bottom one night in miami the five bloods all of which have black lead casts Mm -hmm. were not included in best picture judas and the black messiah was the only film out of that crop that was um so if if there is a block of voters that are interested in recognizing the achievements of african-american filmmakers and african-american casts this is the place to do it um so i i don't think you're completely off base in suggesting that it, ha- it has a chance i just think it has some uh a ground that it needs to make up and also the fact that daniel kaluuya is such a sure thing winner for supporting actor might cause some voters to believe that well, that's the place where that movie is going to get its recognition. So let's move on and give my vote to Nomadland. Well, here's the reason why I'm, I'm going to when we go through this, and I, I think I think Hollywood wants to make a statement this year with everything that's gone on politically in the world with Black Lives Matter and also now uh, with the um, anti-Asian hate, you know, the, that's going on in the world. I think that Hollywood wants to make a statement this year. So as when we go through this list, I think Judas and the Black Messiah, exactly for the reasons we've stated, um, Chadwick Boseman, you know, again, I go back to Viola Davis, and again, there was no uh, black actress uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So that's, we go back to Livia Coleman, and then either Daniel Kaluuya or like Keith Stanfield. And again, uh, I think Chloe Zhao, and the reason is because she's a woman and she's also Asian. And I think that's those are the reasons. But I think Hollywood wants to make a statement, and I just think we're it's gonna, we're going to see a sweep this year with movies that have been led by um, black actors and actresses. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. It could very well happen. <laughs> Stranger things have happened in Hollywood. 
right? <laughs> Stranger things have happened. So anyhow, it'll be interesting to see. Are you going to be um, doing anything? Are you going to be involved with the Oscars this year in any way? I am hosting a show uh, on IMDb, which is the other place that I work with besides Turner Classic Movies. And it's uh, an hour-long Oscar preview show that will air on IMDb because IMDb gets its most traffic on Oscar day because people are wanting to research the actors and filmmakers who are nominated. So at three o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific, I'll be co-hosting a Oscar preview show that uh, talks about what will be happening that night. And then of course on Turner classic movies, all throughout the month. That's of what we're going to write into. Yeah. yeah. The 31 yeah, days right. of Oscar. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so let's, let's yeah. talk about that. What, you know, uh, what is Turner classic movies? What are they going to be playing for 31 days of Oscar? And do they have a theme this year? Like they usually do. So they always do. We always do switch up the theme a little bit and present, uh, the Oscar nominated and Oscar winning movies in a different way. Uh, this year it's actually very simple. It's alphabetical. So all of the Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning movies that we're showing, and that's all we show throughout the entire month of April, are presented A to Z. So we start with Adam's Rib on April 1st, and we go all the way through the movie Z on May 1st. And uh, it's a great list of movies, some of them are, you know, the true classics, um, and then others that are, you know, having their first ever appearance on Turner Classic Movies, like Carol with Kate Blanchett. Um, leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. So there's a lot of great ones, but what I find really interesting is how many of the movies that we're showing have ties to this year's nominees. So we're showing Almost Famous, for which Frances McDormand was nominated. Of course, she's nominated this year. Uh, we're showing The Big Chill, for which Glenn Close was nominated. Of course, she's nominated this year. We're showing Inherit the Wind, which Aaron Sorkin told me is his favorite courtroom drama. He did Chicago 7. Places in the Heart, which got a costume nomination for Anne Ross, who was nominated this year for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And then, of course, Citizen Kane, which inspired the movie Mank, because it, it was written by Herman Mankiewicz, and that's what largely the movie is about. So it's fun to see Oscar history in the through lines between the classic Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning films and this year's crop of nominated films. I love it. I love it. And, I, and, I, and it's nice that they're showing uh, more recent films, too. But I love the tie-in um, that they're doing with uh, the current nominees and, uh, and, the, and, uh, and other Oscar-nominated films from the past. That's amazing. That's really good. I agree. I mean, obviously, the bread and butter of Turner Classic Movies is films from the 30s to the 60s. But one of the things that I love about our 31 Days of Oscar month every year, and of course, usually it's in February. This year, it's in April since the Oscars were postponed. But I love that it allows for us to show movies as recent as 2015. I mean, some people would argue, is that really a classic? But I think it's a modern classic movie like Carol or a movie like Nebraska with Bruce Dern, directed by Alexander Payne from 2013. So, I'm thrilled, but yes, the vast majority of the films that we're showing, even for 31 Days of Oscar, are the the films from the late 20s through the 60s. Very exciting. Well, this is always my favorite month to watch Turner Classic Movies, uh, that and many others, but, you know, this month, uh, the month of uh, 31 Days of Oscars, 
is always one of the ones that uh, I find most fascinating. So are you Great. introducing a lot of uh, films or do you have a specific, are you doing specific genres yourself? So the way it works is that each of us, there's five of us um, that are hosting on the channel, but I believe that just three of us are doing 31 days of Oscar um, and it's by time slot. So my time slots are every Saturday afternoon and every Monday night. So I'll do three or four movies uh, in each of those two time slots every week. And then Alicia Malone and Ben Mankiewicz, my cohorts, they have uh, time slots the rest of the week. Well, we look forward to seeing you on uh, 31 Days of Oscar and also uh, on the on IMBD, the day of the Oscars, too. Dave, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. It's always fun. And I look forward to seeing you again soon somewhere. Thanks, Jan. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You can listen to The Jam Price whenever and wherever at thejampriceshow.com and on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere that you get your podcast. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.